All right, if you'll use the sheet that uh, you've been given, um, we'll use it mainly as something you can take away with you after this lesson, Sunday school lesson. And what you can do is refer to it as we go through if you, you, know, you get distracted or you don't catch one of the verses. But uh, the main purpose of it is for you to be able to you know, take it away and use it and review it. So if you will, let's go to our first verses. And we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1. And if you want to, crack open your Bible. Lay that paper beside you, and let's let's do some. I guess you used to call them sword drills. Let's go through some verses. Ephesians chapter one, and go ahead, hang a little bit to the to the right, and grab Hebrews chapter nine. Ephesians one, Hebrews nine. Now, the heading on your paper says, "Why the blood? Why the blood?" And if you'll give me a few minutes, I want to develop this a little bit because. The Bible is a huge book, okay? Uh, the Bible is a historical book. Uh, the Bible is called a holy book. And when you begin to think of all these things together, uh, it's, it's an amazing book. And so it does take some cross-referencing. It takes some learning. He tells those who minister the Word to study it, and he tells those who uh, receive it to learn it. You know, it's a, it's a holy book. Uh, I'll tell you what else. It's a holistic book. Something that's holistic, what it does, it takes into account the relationship of all the parts to the whole. That's why you'll hear me say over and over, and you'll see it in point number 10 there in the introduction, remember to see the forest before the trees in your Bible. Okay? So Ephesians chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 9. Ephesians 1, let's look at a couple verses as are marked there. Look at verse 7 with me. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, etc. Who are we speaking of? It's speaking of, in the passage, Jesus Christ, verse 5. Okay, by Jesus Christ to Himself. And so one of the great verses in your New Testament, one of the great verses in the epistles of Paul the Apostle is, these verses about the blood of Jesus Christ. In, in whom, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through His blood, Jesus Christ's blood. Look at chapter 2. Cross the page or wherever with your Bible. Chapter 2. I trust you got your Bible open and you're going through it. You will never, ever. I don't Listen, I know this after 40 years plus of this. I know this. It's great to have electronic tools and digital tools and that. None of them. None of them can do for you individually what turning through the pages of your Bible and learning it. And, and you'll never get through that Bible as fast with some digital thing and get your notes down as fast as you will jotting something in the margin of your Bible and remembering where verses are. Ephesians 2 verse 13, that was free. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Okay? Now, if you want to in your notes, Colossians 1, verses 14 and 20, they say this a similar thing in different set of wordings. In other words, it's reiterating it as he wrote to the church and the believers at Colossae, just like he did to the believers at Ephesus. Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, let's start in verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Who's he speaking of? Verse 11, Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if by the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean uh, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, watch, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how shall he, he's saying, well, he'll purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Look, if you would, across the page or a couple pages, chapter 10, verse 19. 10, verse 19. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest how? By the blood of Jesus. So, it is good to know what you believe. And then it's even better to learn why you believe it. Now, there's many things that you learn first. You learn them. And then you're able to understand them. I've said before, one of the reasons you find this idea of study in 1 Timothy directed, 1 2 Timothy directed to a, a ministry student, a minister, a, an apprentice of the Apostle Paul, is because that's what his job. Much studies a weariness of the flesh, that let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word of doctrine. But all through the Bible, he tells you to learn. He said, we have not so learned Christ. He tells you, uh, learn of me, Jesus said. So we learn things, and then we gradually can begin to grasp the why of things. And you'll see what I'm going to say here in a few minutes. But in Ephesians chapter 1, it said, his blood. Okay? In 2.13, it said, the blood of. And those passages in Hebrews 1, and Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Hebrews 9 and 10... He's talking about something that is absolutely essential to your salvation. However, however, remind yourself of this in your notes there. Look at number four, five in the introduction. The gospel declared in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, many of you could probably quote it. I can quote it to you. When Paul said, here's the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, he said how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day of the corner of scriptures, that he was seen of Cephas, etc., etc., etc. All up, there's seven different things in there, he says. But he says that the gospel, when it's preached, is that death and that burial and that resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, the word blood is not in there, and many times when you're preaching the gospel, you won't get around to all the work of the blood of Christ. However, once you get saved, okay, you start realizing when he said he died for my sins, he had to shed his blood. So all through the New Testament and all through Paul's epistles, we have this idea of the blood. It's not just an Old Testament thing. So even though it's not in the description, it's included in that death, burial, and resurrection. Now, why is that important? Well, Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Okay? So, come to Romans chapter 3, as you'll find there in, in the seventh point there. Number 7 in the, out, in the introduction. Come to Romans chapter 7. I'm sorry, chapter 3. <laughs> Romans chapter 3 in the seventh point. Romans 3. <clears throat> here's, here's what's really important. Salvation is likened to many things. One of them is, he says, it's a new birth. So when you come to Christ and God 
gives you the gospel and you respond, there's so many things you don't know. If you're like me and never went to Sunday school and never went to church and never even had read a page of the Bible till after you came to Christ, till after I'd already been grown up out of high school, you know, and, and all that kind of thing, I had never heard of it. I didn't, I didn't know who Noah really was. I didn't. I didn't know the story of David and Goliath. And so when you come to the Bible and you come to Christ and you receive him, there's so many things you're going to learn and grab later, but those things are really important to grow in Christ. Romans chapter 3, look with me at verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that, <laughs> that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Let's read on. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now watch. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith, would you mark it, in His blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the ignorance through sorry through the forbearance of God to declare I say at this time the his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus look across a couple pages chapter 5 verse 9 one verse much more than being now justified by his blood so once you come to Christ and you begin to hear preaching I can remember this and not at all in a skeptical way, I can remember thinking, okay, why the blood? Why the blood? I didn't even know the books of the Bible. I didn't know where to find the things in the book of the Bible. Thankfully, God put me in a, in a position where I began to hear about it and know about it. So let us never take for granted that people know, and let us never take for granted that the Bible is both a mystery and it has meaning or doctrine. For example, go over to 1 Timothy for a minute. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And while you're in Romans, grab with your left hand there, grab Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and then go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let's do some Bible here. And again, if you miss something, you'll be able to grab it from those notes. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Because this is, this is really important. I'm laying a foundation of how sometimes it works. You see, someone might say, well, if you're not, remember it said we, by faith in his blood in Romans 3, right? Well, I don't remember putting faith in his blood when I got saved. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. So after you come to Christ, you begin to realize how amazing this salvation is. But you also begin to realize why we talk about the blood of Christ. We begin to realize, what did John mean? You read the Gospel of John. I mean, of all the Gospels, what's the one we pass out to both lead people to Christ and help them get grounded is the Gospel of John. I've distributed thousands and thousands of John Romans through the years. 
It's something that you do when you're in places where they need the gospel, which is everywhere in reality. But there are many places where it's not as prevalent as here. But let me say this. The people on your block where you live, there might be a whole bunch of them that were just like me and had never, ever read a Bible. or heard, you, you would be so shocked. I, I heard someone say, and I get it, that you know almost everybody has a Bible. I don't think so. I really don't. I think there are thousands, millions of people who don't own a Bible. You say, well, there's so many Bibles been sold. That's right. But I own several copies of my King James Bible. Okay? Several. And I'm sure I make up for the average of those who don't. <laughs> because there are thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people who don't have one. If you told them to go home and read it, they couldn't. They wouldn't. I didn't even really understand or know what a Bible was. That's how, although educated, ignorant we were. So, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says in verse 16, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, okay? Look at it with me. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Okay, colon, in your, in your punctuation. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. That is a mystery. There's at least seven mysteries in your New Testament, in your Bible. And in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul said that we're to be stewards of the mysteries. Okay? And we are, that is, to believe them and embrace them, teach and preach them, even though we can't explain, you cannot explain the virgin birth, which is what he's referring to here. That God was manifested in the flesh. He was manifest in the flesh. Acts chapter 20. Now, Paul's delivering his address to these elders at Ephesus. He's summing up his ministry before them. He knows he's not going to come back and get to see them. There won't be a fourth or fifth missionary trip to see them. And he says in verse 28 of Acts chapter 20, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased, which you mark it, with his own blood. So blood is important in this thing. But when you first get saved, or even when you're preaching the gospel and witnessing, there's many times it doesn't necessarily enter into that, that thing, not because you're hiding or avoiding it, because the preaching of the gospel is, is that death, burial, and resurrection. But one of the main parts of this thing about his death, burial, and resurrection for our sins, 1 Corinthians 15, is the blood. You might want to make a little note. It's not in your notes, but you might want to make a note there of Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, it's pretty interesting because what he does is he tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ was born witness to. Okay? That God bore witness to him when he resurrected from the dead. And he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs. Not just convincing proofs. Infallible proofs. 
Okay? Being seen of them. In Romans chapter 1, he speaks of the fact that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ proves his sinlessness. Gave him right to everything because he's the only one to truly conquer the grave. So we want to look at the forest and not the trees. And I'm going to just look at these four points in your notes. Why the blood? And I want to start back at the beginning. And it's not going to be some intellectual thing. It is devotional, so to speak, but it's also a doctrinal thing for you to understand. So the first thing is this, the source of life. Now we're going to go to the Old Testament to Leviticus chapter 17. You've got Genesis, you've got Exodus, you've got Leviticus, the first three books of your Bible in that order. Leviticus chapter 17. This is a great verse <coughs> to start giving us, these couple of verses in here, this idea about why the blood. You see, when we preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that's how we're supposed to preach it. But as we, as soon as we get born again and we get that new nature and we start learning Christ, what we find out is that it's not like His death that does it. Okay? It's not His life that does it. You, you understand me? It's all the things entailed in that. So the thing that's important is for us to grab hold of and realize that it's just not the fact that he died. It's that in death he shed his blood. It's not just the fact that he lives, but he rose incorruptible. Now many of those, we could take those things, each of those, and spend 45 minutes on it. But just let it settle in your mind that the reason we study these things is because it gives us just a, such an appreciation of how God operates. Now, it can also help you answer someone in your witnessing, in your soul winning, in your counseling. Because I've had people say, well, why does God require blood? And these verses we're going through, and I've shown you, I've sat down with them. Sometimes you might only get five or ten minutes. You need a few good verses on it that are clear. Not just try to, but if you don't know why, and you don't really convince why. Now, no, wait, no, wait. I understand this concept. Because God said so. Amen. I got it. I get that. But, but, let me say this to you. God gave us both mystery and logic in the way He put the Bible together. See, I'm not talking about going into some kind of thing where science says the blood does this and that. Those are all wonderful things. They're very interesting things. But they're not Scripture. And they don't follow through on a really biblically logical thought. You know, an old preacher said, when asked years ago, several times to debate someone, he was from England, and, and he, was, he was very learned in the Scriptures, he was very articulate, and they tried to get him to come to a couple of those universities, the, the, you know, the esteemed ones, and debate with someone. He said, it won't work. And they're like, well, we could gather a crowd. He goes, that's called entertainment. He said, it's not going to work. He said, because a person <coughs> excuse me, without light cannot understand it. And see, that's the issue. When we come to Christ, we now have the ability to receive light. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, but the spiritual man does. 
So, in Leviticus chapter 17, he says in verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. We're going to look at, in next point, about sin. The third point, we're talking about how the offering of blood by God's terms. Now watch. It wasn't just the death of a lamb. They didn't hang the carcass of the lamb in Exodus on the doorposts or the lintels. They put the blood. Okay? So he says in verse 14, For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. So the source of life. God took the source of human life. Okay? And he gave it a deeper meaning. In Hebrews 9, which we have read in your notes, we've read these verses. It says that that blood of animals cannot take it away. But he did let it make what? An atonement. An atonement. So he allowed them to say, you offer that and I will take and I'll set this stuff aside until I can give it absolute eternal blood and give myself for it. Now, here's, here's what's so important. Death proves the sin nature is in all the humans. Before they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve were what we call innocent. They were innocent. They could have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever because once they fell, God said, I got to put you out because if you eat of it now, you'll live forever as a lost monstrosity. See? It was the mercy of God that put them out and got all this that we're into today going because he was going to make a way and did make a way. But they were innocent before that. And then death entered into the world. Sin enters the world and death by sin. So death proves the sin nature is in all humans because all humans die. I don't know how early you were introduced to that idea. With animals, I was introduced early on. We had horses and livestock, and there were times they had to get put down. Or you might have, as I had, a fellow gave me a, a beautiful bird dog once, and we had to leave her with someone because we traveled and raced horses and come back, and he didn't, you know, wasn't able to keep track of her like he could, and she got killed. But when it comes down to the human life, it becomes way more personal. I mean, my little, my youngest brother, my baby brother, was killed out in front of the church. My dad pastored when my brother was 15 years old. So you learn fairly early on, okay? You learn fairly early on. I was 28 at the time. That death comes to humans, and it can come when they're older, or it can come when they're young. But it's coming. Nobody beats it. No human being beats it. You say, well. Enoch beat it. God made a way for that to happen, but he, he didn't beat it. God gave us a type of the rapture of the church, which we'll get into another time, perhaps. But here's the idea. Is that death proves us in nature. One time, when I went to New Guinea, they were having their first, out in the bush, having this first Bible Institute graduation, and the 
missionary there said, hey, he, he actually emailed me ahead or whatever and said, um, we were going through the book of Acts and I told him about, you know, not drinking blood, Acts 15. In case you wonder why that's in there about Gentiles, you just got to get you a little education sometimes. I don't mean you're not educated, but over there what they would do is they would take and they, they would take a, a wild hog or a hog that they'd penned up. And we're talking about living in the bush where they're, they're poor. I mean, it's a big deal. It was big. It was equal to much money to have a big pig, a hog. And they would beat it in the neck to where it was paralyzed. Wouldn't kill it, kill it. And then they would cut it open. And they would put greens and leaves down in bamboo shoots. When you cut that bamboo off below that knuckle, it's like a container. It's like a jar. And they would put that blood in there and they would heat it up and they would drink it. And especially back when they were warfare and even more than, you know, much more than they are now. That's why those things are in there. And so he said, look, he said, uh, when you come, they're going to, you know, some of, them are, some of the old men, which would be 35 up there, some of them are going to, you know, bring some of their pigs and let people, you know, they're going to cook them and eat them. But would you show them how to bleed one? They, know, they don't do that here and they won't understand it, but would you show them? And I was like, yeah. We're about to make history, literally. None, nobody forever and ever in that village had heard of such a thing. So what did we do? We, we got there, and of course they hit them in the head and kind of paralyzed them. And then they're fixing to roll them over and do all that. And some of them who were not part of the, the church and the institute that were providing their own, they're over there doing that with the bamboo shoots and the blood and all that. So we had everything ready, and we put the rope on the back legs of the big old pig hooked him up and we bled it out. And those old timers had never ever, no one in there had seen it done. And they literally got down and they were watching it drip into the ground almost like we were wasting gold, you know, or wasting something valuable. And they're going back and forth in their local dialect and somebody would translate that in pigeon, they would translate that in English for me. And it was amazing. You know why? Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. But the second thing is this. Sin is passed on through the blood. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Romans 5, quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> now, it's just a simple Sunday school lesson, but <clears throat> these things are really, really good for us to revisit in our own hearts and minds, but also in case you ever want to help somebody. Especially a new Christian, say, for example. And someone says, oh, you've got, you know, that, that horrible, you know, blood-bathed blood religion. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If it's just about living the Christian life, even though it is clean and it is better and all that, we'd be miserable. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. You getting this? For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now you take that and much of the passage, we won't go through every little verse, but you take that with Romans 5 verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, 
And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Sin is passed on through the blood. If you notice in B there in your, in your outline, it says Adam's blood, Mary provided flesh and bones, hence no sin nature. See Genesis 21, 23 and Genesis 29, 10 to 14. In your Bible, people who were related, in, this case, in these cases are going to be men like soldiers and stuff, who are related on their mother's side call their relationship flesh and bone. And that's even so much that that's what Adam said Eve was when she was created out of his rib. Because he wasn't passing blood on to her. In fact, this is just, just a thought, okay? Adam and Eve must have had, according to the Bible, a pure circulatory system. It may have even been, before they fell, of the water of life or water. You know, in, in one of the, a couple times during war, in World War II, they found out they could take seawater and use it to help keep these guys alive by giving them transfusions with it. Because the mineral elements in the seawater was so close to the mineral elements that they needed in their blood. And so to this day, when, you have, when they have to fill up your blood stream a little bit until they can get an actual transfusion, what do they use? Saline solution. Now, I understand there's all these different, you know, all the different facts and the chemicals, but the basic idea is this. Sin is passed on through the blood. It came through Adam. And there's many references. If you want to look up flesh and bones, you can. It's in Judges 9, 2 Samuel 5, 2 Samuel 19. When people are related on the mother's side, it's flesh and bone. Why is that important? Because Mary provided the body and the body could be resurrected because it had acts 20 28 the blood of god in it you say well how do you explain that you don't you don't it's a mystery it's a mystery but you can believe the mystery and the holy spirit will bear witness so the third thing then is that sinless blood is the only cure that's why john 1 29 John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In Genesis 3.21, what did he do? He killed one of his own animals and he covered them with its skin. Genesis 3.21. In the very next chapter, when Cain and Abel come, they're at the age where they're supposed to give their own offering. One of them brings of the flock, sheds its blood, the other brings, trying to get blood from a turnip, as we say here in the States. Other countries, they'll say blood from a stone. In other words, God made the first offering of innocent blood. I don't know if you've ever seen up close, just little lambs. Hardly anything that I can think of, and God said it too, that describes something innocent is that little lamb, and they would have to take that lamb, and they would cut its throat, and get its blood. You say, well, that sounds horrible. It does. Until you realize what sin did to the human race. Until you realize what sin does to us all the time. Until you realize that only by sin comes death. 
You know what Judas said in Matthew 27, 4 in your notes? I have betrayed the innocent blood. Why was it innocent? Because Acts 20, 28, it was God's blood. Your verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, I hope you'll look it up later, says, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Not just the death of Christ, nor just the life lived of Jesus Christ. But 1 John 1, 9, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Number four, the security of the blood offered. Come to Exodus 12. The other verses we'll refer to. Exodus 12, this is a neat little thing. And I, I, would, I would venture to say most of you know this in here. Most of you probably haven't marked in your Bible. Every copy I've got of my King James Bible that I've read through the years, that's in there. <clears throat> Exodus 12, if, if you remember your Bible by books a little bit, what are the you know, main parts of the books? That's a good thing. And then if you can begin to remember your Bible uh, by, say, the neighborhoods or streets. Exodus 12, on that street, is the Passover. The Passover is, in verse 2, the beginning of months for, the, for these people. And the Passover, the, what's so amazing is, the Passover is where we get this thing of the Lamb of God. So he tells them in verse 3, Speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb. You ought to mark that. I don't know what you do with pencil or whatever. I, I like to use a highlighter, especially these gel, almost like a crayon highlighter because they don't bleed. And I'll be reading and I'll mark that. I used to underline a lot, but my, my hands aren't near as steady as they used to be. And it'll say a lamb in verse 3. In verse 4, and if the household be too little for, look at it, the lamb. Let him and his neighbor, etc. And then look at verse 5. Mark it, your lamb. That is the process of salvation, you might say. That's a picture of salvation. We need a lamb. And God gave the lamb, but it's not salvation until he becomes your lamb. Okay? A lamb, the lamb, your lamb. Now our verses, we've been through Hebrews chapter, the, the third verse under C, Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. First Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, you know these verses. Because you would have heard them so many times as a child of God, or so many times in preaching. I didn't know there were such claims as this till I came to Christ. For example, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own. Now watch. But verse 20 is my point. For ye are bought with a price. And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ died, for, paid for the sins of the whole world. So a person cannot blame God if they end up in hell, if they end up in a Christless eternity, the only thing that sends them there is if they'll reject God's love gift and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's in your, your reference in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In closing, look at 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Now watch. 
you say constrains you mean like you're tied up no it gets hold of you <laughs> it's got a grip on you it's got you it's like when people you know they get into say a hobby or they think they're going to be a professional athlete or or maybe being a doctor and studying it gets hold of them or or law or, or like many of us tradesmen a carpentry it's just in you gets hold of you well the love of christ constraineth us because we thus judge watch that if one died for all, then we're all what? Dead. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2. And then verse 15 as we close. And, and that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. And the, of course the rest of that passage is, is classic too. The security of the blood offered. See, our security, it's associated with the resurrection. But why did he resurrect? Because his blood was God's blood. And he put that blood on the throne. And for all of time and eternity, all of eternity, going back 4,000 years of Old Testament, when they, by faith, put that blood of an innocent animal, it had to be the innocent blood. It couldn't be... Another human couldn't die for you. Nothing could die for you. And a stone sure can't shed blood for you. And a statue can't. And a tree can't. And it could never take away sin. But if you brought the offering he asked for, he said, I'm going to set it aside here. And then pretty soon, I'm going to send my son. And when he does, he's going to shed his blood for the sins of the whole world. And when he sheds his blood for the sins of the world, I'm going to count that as having paid for the sins of the world. He said, My little children, these things write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. <laughs> and He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The security of the blood offered is that it was Jesus Christ. So why blood? We've looked at it. Because He used, He made life and He took the source of life and said, life's been degenerated. Life has fallen. Life is depraved. Life is sinful. But I'm going to redeem it with my own blood. The source of life. Sin is passed on through that. So we've all sinned in God. We've all sinned against Him. We've all sinned in God's, God's law, you might say. In God's decree. And sinless blood is the only cure. And the security of the blood offered is why we have this amazing thing called assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation is the experience of a doctrine called eternal security. And that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I hope you take these things, review them, look at them, and remember what we have. And someone may ask you someday, you know, I, I'm, they might, and they may not be doubting God. They might say, look, I'm not doubting God. But why blood? Why blood? 
And these are many of the verses that you could have at hand to help them know why blood.